Good morning. Let's all stand together. We're going to lift up our voices as we sing. Sing to the King and shine, Jesus, shine. Sing to the King who is come. Lift up our voices in song and our hearts in prayer. Look for the Holy Spirit to move and speak to our hearts. Let's open up our service in a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you that we can come. We can gather lifting up our, our hearts before you. For truly we've come to worship. And I ask that it would be your spirit that moves in our midst. Draw us nearer to you. Help us to be a people sincere in our faith. With a genuine desire to walk with you today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Please be seated. 
voices again as we sing are you washed in the blood have you been to jesus for the cleansing power are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you fully trusting in his grace this power are you washed in the blood of the lamb are you washed in the blood in the soul cleansing blood Would you 
bear that cross, to bear my sin, what wondrous love. My hope was sure, when there my Savior prayed, Father, not my will, but yours be done. in the minor prophets of your Old Testament, those little small books towards the back of your Old Testament. going to take you to Amos chapter 6, verses 1 through 6 in our text. Title of our message this morning is The Apathy of Ease. The Apathy of Ease. When we look into this section of scripture, Amos chapter 6, verses 1 through 6, we find the Lord speaking to the nation of Israel because they have come to a place of comfort and ease where they are relaxed, kicked back, trusting in their borders, trusting in their walled cities, trusting in their allies to keep them safe. And I chose this text this morning to preach on and for us to go over because when we look at all that takes place in the world around us, sometimes it reminds us that we ourselves need to be prayerful, we need to be alert, we need to be people who trust in God instead of everything else, and understand that He is truly the one who makes a difference. We can think to ourselves, well, you know what, my job keeps me secure. Mm, jobs come and go. You can think to yourself, well, you know what, I live in the United States and our isolation from the world keeps us safe. Boy, World War II, we had submarines, Nazi submarines going right, up, right along the coast of New England. We found that all out after the war was over, although they knew every once in a while one would pop up. We knew. So you can think to yourself, well, maybe it's because we have such friendly neighbors, Canada, Mexico, we're safe. 
But friendly neighbors can change and be unfriendly pretty quick. So this text is talking to us about our responsibility to be alert, to be aware, to be in tune with God, our ultimate caregiver. Not the government, not our employer, not our neighbor, but the Lord. So I'm going to read to you Amos chapter 6, verses 1 down through 6, and listen to the text. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye unto Calnan, and see, and from thence go ye to Hamath the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms? Or their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near. They'll lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches. They eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. That chant to the sound of the viol and invent to themselves instruments of music like David. That drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments. But they are not grieved by the affliction of Joseph. So David, uh, what we find here is God reaching out and reminding Israel of all different things that I'm going to I'm going to teach us about as we go through this text, because we don't live at this time and we don't really know what these cities mean and these references that Amos is making. We don't really know what they mean because it's not our country. It's not our culture. Instead, we live in a different country, a different culture, a different time. Our neighbors are not Philistines. They're Canadians. Our neighbors are not uh, the Hamath the Great, but instead Mexico. So when we look at all of these things, we look at it in the perspective of the life we live and we lose the course of history. So I'm going to bring you back in time to remind all of us to be aware that we need to be touched by what takes place around the world, but be focused on the Lord. The first thing we see in verses 1 and 2 is God is revealing to us the idolatrous relationship concerning Israel's security in verses 1 and 2. They have made their allies their gods. They have made their neighbors their security, their safety. They've made their cities give them that sense of all is well. They've replaced God with everything that's around them. That's why he says to them, woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria. The mountain of Samaria is still there. You can fly to Israel tomorrow, uh, although Israel won't let you in if you're not vaccinated. So you have to be vaccinated to fly into Israel. But if you fly into Israel, you can go ahead and you can go down along where Gaza is and you can come to those same mountains. Here they're simply called the mountain of Samaria. Actually, it's today called the Mount Gerizim. It's 35 miles, 34 miles north of Jerusalem. It is and was the seat of Samaritan worship. So all the way back at this time, He's saying to us, you're trusting in the security of the mountain of Samaria. And still today, the Samaritans, which there is still a small sect of Samaritans in Israel, they still annually go to this mountain, they go to the top of it, and there they sacrifice a lamb and they worship their God there. And God is saying to the nation of Israel, you're beginning to lean upon the security of the neighbors, other people who don't even share your faith. You're going to the top of this large hill by our standards, but for them, it's the mountain of Samaria. 
And there you're feeling safe and secure because you can look out over the valleys and your neighbors and your friends can look over the valleys and you think you're safe and secure just because of this high point, this strategic point, this mountain of Samaria. He goes on, he says, woe to them that are at ease in Zion, that trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named the chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. He says, you've become so comfortable because God gave you the promised land, because you now possess this land and you're bountiful and you're successful. You are even as the chiefs in Zion, in the promised land. And here he's going to give them a little reminder, a little reality check. He says, pass ye unto Calna and see, and from thence go you to Hamath the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms or their border greater than your border? So what he's saying to them is, I want you to journey with me in your mind and I want you to go to these cities that are famous for their strength, but have been destroyed. And I want you to look. And then I want you to go to this kingdom, this kingdom that was so great, but it is no longer great. And he says, I want you to step back and I want you to look and I want you to ask yourself, are your cities better? Are your borders better? Are they what's keeping you safe? Calma and Hamath, as referred to in verse 2, were cities and rulers in the northern Syria region. They were both conquered by King Jeroboam in 2 Kings chapter 14, verses 25 through 28. When it talks about Gath of the Philistines, Gath was considered to be impenetrable indestructible. It had high and thick walls around it. It was the city of the Philistines. It was destroyed by King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles chapter 26, 6. So what God is doing with the nation of Israel is he's saying to them, I want you to look at the world you live in. And I want you to understand your security is not in high walls. It's not in powerful leaders. It's not in the borders that you have. He's reminding them their security rests only in the Lord. And you and I in the world we live in today, and we look around at the things that transpire, whether it be uh, in South America, where you see guerrilla warfare take place decade after decade, or whether you go to Europe, where right now we have Russia moving upon its neighbors and Almost a reflection of what happened in World War II when Hitler decided that he was going to reestablish the Germanic nations over there and he started taking over his neighbors. Whether we go to uh, the, the, the southern seas where China is building islands and then putting military bases on it so, so that they can get uh, naval supremacy over the seas. This is happening all around the world, right now. And God is saying to the nation of Israel, and he's saying to us, are you fully relying upon how, how secure your government is, or your borders are, or your neighbors are? He says, that's not where your security is. And we as a people, we as Christians have to never forget that our peace, our security, our strength is not in this world. It is in the Lord. As you come down into, into verse 3, you find the arrogance of their spirituality or the lack of their spirituality at that time. And I fear sometimes for our nation and for the Western world because in many ways they have dismissed God. And that's exactly what he's talking about here. Look at what he goes on to say in verse 3. He says, Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near. 
What's he saying to them? He's saying, you have dismissed in your mind. In fact, he uses that phrase, putting away. It comes from the Hebrew word nada. And it means to go ahead and excommunicate. To dismiss. He says, you have dismissed from your mind that evil day. The day you stand before God. The judgment day. He says, you've dismissed from your mind the concept that one day you will stand before God. The nation of Israel had become complacent, indifferent, almost idolatrous and trusting in everything but God. He says, you have, you have excommunicated God out of your lives. In verse 3, he goes on, he says... Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near. It's just so picturing of the world and society we live in today. Because maybe you get Netflix and you go to Netflix and there's a whole genre in Netflix where you can watch action movies. Now the word action really means violence. You can go ahead and you can go to that action movie and it's not going to be that it's just, wow, this is really fast. Wow, that's action. <laughs> no, man, it's bombs, knives, guns, you, know, you name it. And our culture and our society embraces that just like their culture did. They go ahead and they draw near the seat of violence. They want to watch and see and let us, let us experience, but not us. Somebody else, the Romans did it with gladiators. People gathered all through the stands and they would either put the thumb down, execute him, or let him go. It was all about violence, all about death. We think that we're such a unique culture and society. We're not. People throughout history have embraced violence. And in our culture and society, we feed it to our children from the youngest age. We hook them up to electronics and let them sit and blow up people and shoot people and on and on and on. And then we wonder why this stuff happens in our schools and our neighborhoods. And that's what God is saying here. In Noah's day, one of the reasons God brought destruction upon the whole earth was because they were continually violent. So when we look at this text, God is trying to stir the hearts of the nation of Israel. And he's saying that to them, stop trusting in everything around you and stop becoming voyeuristic of everything violent as if it's never going to come to your doorstep. We have to look and trust in God. We need to stop flirting with everything that's violent and horrible. And think that it will always be our neighbor. He goes on, he talks to us. He come down to verse, to the third point in our text, which is verses four through six. And that is he really addresses their indulgence, their overindulgence. And it is such a picture into history. Because for us, we struggle with the concept of people being so indulgent. But listen, verse 4. That lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. He's talking about a people who have come to a place of such opulence, such ease, so, such prosperity. He first mentions their beds of ivory. Now for you and I, we will never in our lifetime buy a bed of ivory. Ivory dealing is against the law internationally. But isn't it amazing that in their day, they had beds made out of ivory. So imagine the tusks and the construction made out of ivory. You might say to yourself, well, that seems a little bit extreme. 
archaeologists have uncovered such things. Because ancient people were creative. And they built beds of ivory in their opulence and wealth. And he says to them, they stretch themselves upon their couches. We think being a couch potato is a modern phenomenon. <laughs> but it is not. Here, these people are kicking back. They're relaxed. They've got nothing to worry about. They've got walled cities. They've got great borders. They have wonderful allies. They have nothing to concern themselves with. And God says basically to them, thou fool, thy very soul will be required of you this night. Because what happens is they become so comfortable, so, so lax, that they even forget about God. And that's what has happened. He goes on to describe, he says to them, you lie upon your beds of ivory, you stretch yourselves across your couches, you eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. And when the Bible talks about that, there's, a, there's two sides to this perception of God. One is just the waste of you take a lamb and you eat it. It's a very small piece of meat compared to a whole sheep. Or you take a calf. It's a very small amount of meat compared to a cow. And he's saying, you are so opulent. You're so, so fortunate. You're so, so wealthy that you don't have to worry about growing a whole sheep. You don't have to worry about growing a whole cow. You can eat them when they're just little. Well, look what he goes on to say. He says, eat the lambs out of the flock, the calves out of the midst of the stall, and chant the sound of the viol and invent to themselves instruments of music. It's so amazing. We look back and this is ancient history. And he's saying to these folks, you're just sitting back, you're watching violent stuff, you're, you're a couch potato, you've got more opulence than no more money than you know what to do with, you're buying couches, beds made out of ivory, you're sitting around creating new sounds, new music. He's just describing our world. It's our world. We really live in a very prosperous time. When I was a kid, it was not uncommon for my mom to make lamb chops. You ever had lamb chops? Like my mom used to make lamb chops. I never gave thought to the fact that this is not a whole sheep, it's just a lamb. Because we had it, I never thought anything about it. You know, have a veal dinner, never thought about it. It's just a cat. All, all kinds of new music and new sounds, that's just life, it comes and goes. But he says to these people, he's saying to them, you're so caught up in the opulence of the world you live in that you forget the very God who has watched over you and protected you. You think your protection is all that's around you. And that's why he reminds them of these places. He says, do you remember that king that was so great who was conquered? Do you remember that city that had such walls that they were impenetrable, but they were torn down? You remember those borders that nobody thought could be crossed, but they were. And he's trying to stir their hearts to remember. Remember God. Remember God. We live in a world today that dismisses the Lord. That removes him from their schools, even their history, and certainly tries to remove, them, remove God from their tomorrow. These people are sacrilegious in the things they do. When you come down to verse 6, it says, he says to them, you drink wine in bowls and anoint yourselves with the cheap ointments. 
The, he's using very specific language when he's talking to them. The word bowls here comes from the word Mizraket, which means holy bowls. It's the bowls that were used for worship, for bringing the oils before the altar to sacrifice and offer before God. He says, you're using those holy bowls to drink wine. And when I think about that, I think about the places I drive in New England and I see churches turned into bar rooms. And I think, boy, we have come so far, fallen so far as a culture. He says to them, not only are you drinking wine out of holy bowls, but you anoint yourselves with the chief ointments. And when he uses that word chief ointments, he's talking about the oils that were used for worship. He's saying, you've gone ahead and replaced God worship to self-worship. Now you're anointing yourself with what was supposed to be an offering to God. And you're using the holy bowls that were supposed to be part of worship now to indulge yourself. And we as a culture and a society, if we're not careful, we get to such a place that we too become sacrilegious. Where we so dismiss God that we supplant, replace God in even the things we do to such a point where we ourselves become like God. And that's what he's accusing them of. You and I as Christians, we have to step back. And we have to say to ourselves, where is my security? Where is my safety? It's not in governments. It's not in borders, it's not in cities, walls, even in armament. All of that can change very quick. Our security, our safety, to the depths of our soul, rests in the very God that we know and love. And if we dismiss him, if we sacrilegiously replace him, with ourselves, then should we expect him to be there? Should we expect him to protect us, to watch over us? Should we expect him to bless our borders? God bless America. We, you and I as Christians, we need to be prayerful people. We live in a culture, a state, that's not exactly the Bible Belt. We ourselves are the salt of the earth. We are that candle upon the hilltop. We should be those people that point and say, remember God. He comes down and I want you to look with me as we finish in verse 6 there. Look what he says. That drink the wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the cheap ointments. And then listen to the but. But they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. Now the reference of Joseph is Israel, the tribe of Israel, the descendants of Abraham and Joseph. He's saying, you're not grieved for your people. You and I should be touched and moved by what goes on around the world. When we watch the news and we see what's happening in Europe happen, we should be grieved and it should bring us to prayer. When we read about South America, Colombia, those countries where there's constant guerrilla warfare, where they take in captivity, kidnap Christians, leaders, sometimes execute them, sometimes try to get ransom for them, goes on for decades. It's gone on for a long time. We stop listening. You look to the Middle East. Just because it's not on the headline news, 
it doesn't mean that your brothers and sisters in Christ are any safer. They are still hunted and persecuted just because they're Christian. All around the world, we should be moved by the plight of Joseph, the plight of others. Yes, we are comfortable. I love my couch. <laughs> At the end of the day, I come home. Noreen Grace made Sandra Joe and I a quilt some years ago, and that I adopted the quilt. <laughs> Sandra Joe's okay. I bought her a recliner. <laughs> but I go ahead and I, I sit down on the couch and I pull that nice quilt on my legs. And I am comfy. And I'm thankful to the Lord for that. But that can never make me forget that there are others who are not. And I'm very thankful for our borders, for our allies and neighbors. But I will never be so foolish as to think they are my security. I know that no matter what happens in the world, it is only the Lord God who gets me through. Even unto the very valley of the shadow of death, he is there with me and with you. And that is what the Lord is reminding through the prophet Amos. That is what he's stirring these people towards. That they would go ahead and step back and think. And draw back nearer to him. My challenge to you this morning. Is as you watch your news. And as you are stirred by what takes place. Whether it be in Southeast Asia. Whether it be in South America. Whether it be in Europe. Or the Middle East. Be touched. Be moved. Be prayerful and understand that it is only by the grace of God that there go us. Only by the grace of God. Father in heaven, as we come to the end of our service this morning, I pray that it would be you that stirs our hearts and souls. It would be you that draws us nearer to you. That we would look up from our comfort and our ease. And never forget that all that is good comes from you. Lord, I lift up before you around the world. All that is transpiring. The suffering and struggling. Lord, I pray for those folks. I ask your hand to be upon them. I pray for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering, who are fearful, who are imprisoned, who are in war. Lord, I pray that you would be with our nation. It's frightening sometimes to look at the leadership decade after decade. But Lord, I'm trusting in you. I'm asking you to be with us. Help us to be one, God, one nation under God. Help us to be a people who turn to you and rest in you. Help us to be that light upon the hilltop. That hope of the masses. A Christian nation once again. Lord, I pray for our church family. Our church family has acquaintances and maybe even family in some of these corners of the earth. I pray that you would give us wisdom and comfort as we care for others. Help us to not look the other way, but to do our part. And I do pray that you be with us as a church. Help us to come back together as a whole Help us to be united as COVID begins to fade away. 
Help us to become strong and healthy again, that we might shine forth the hope of Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We praise you in Christ's name we pray. Amen. John's going to dismiss us in a word, us in a song. If you would stand and together we're going to lift up our voices as we sing what a day that will be. Yeah.